You're listening to episode number 24 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. In today's episode, I want to chat with you about some common mistakes that I see parents make, and I don't want you to make the same mistakes. So get ready to jump in. Maybe some throat punches come in your way, but honestly, I really just want to help you have the most deep relationship and connection with each of your children and to just make your life easier. So I'm so excited to jump right into today's conversation. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mompreneurs out there feeling torn between raising a thriving family and building a business you love. I'm a photographer, community founder, podcaster, wife, and mama saved by grace, so I can totally relate to you multi-passionate mamas. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to find peace and passion in motherhood and business so that you can have more time for the things that matter, like Netflix and cookie dough. But seriously, are you ready to transform your life from feeling frazzled to focused and be equipped with the tools you need to juggle all the things? If so, you're in the right place. Hey mama, welcome back to another episode. I have been talking to so many of you mamas in the Facebook group, and I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you today. I know that we are all experiencing some really difficult times being stuck at home in quarantine with our children, and we're all just getting a little bit sick and tired of not being able to go anywhere. So I wanted to share with you the top 10 mistakes that I see parents making and what you can do instead to really kind of help combat those issues. So let's start with mistake number one, too much correcting, directing, and reminding. Now, as parents, we are really good at micromanaging our kids. We want our kids to be well-behaved, and it seems like we are constantly repeating ourselves over and over again. Can I get an amen? But I want you to start thinking about this and being conscious of how many times a day you are correcting your children. How many times a day are you reminding them? Now, I just want to give you just a couple examples because I feel like it it can be one thing to hear all this information, but I want to give you some like real life application. So for instance, instead of telling your kids, hey, put your shoes away. Why do you always keep your shoes all over the floor? Or Hey, can you put your shoes away for me? Say something like this instead. Please show me where your shoes go. Or where do your shoes go? And asking those open-ended questions will get them, hopefully, um, understanding the idea of being responsible. So instead of telling them what to do, help guide them with what's important. Now, it's not always going to work, of course, but it's our job to help keep our children accountable, but that doesn't mean that we have to correct and direct all of the time. So another thing that I think is important to note here is that our kids do really well and they rise to the occasion when we give them expectations. And this could be in the form of a checklist. You hear me talk about this all the time. But I think it's so important that kids have a, a reference of how they can do what we want, right? It's kind of like at a regular job. If you 
want to know if you're doing well or not, you need to have some sort of expectations to measure up against. So it's the same for kids too. We need to be very clear about what we expect of them. And then instead of reminding them a million times, we just need to simply direct them to their checklist. So instead of saying like, hey, did you make your bed this morning and brush your teeth and get dressed for the day? Just ask them, did you get your morning routine done? Right? Or how is your morning routine going? That way it reminds them sort of in a roundabout way instead of you totally telling them what to do, but you're you're guiding them to start referring to that checklist because that's how kids learn habits and routines is by knowing what's expected and then practicing that. Now, I've talked about this a lot before, I feel like, but it's so important to remind you that as adults, we don't like being told what to do. It makes us feel angry at the person who's telling us what to do. And it just doesn't make us want to happily comply. And the same is true with your children. If all we're doing is constantly correcting them and telling them what to do and telling them what not to do, then it just becomes sort of like that broken record. And nobody wants to listen to a broken record. So pretty soon your kids are going to tune you out and they're not going to be listening to what you're saying. And that's the complete opposite of what we want to happen. We want our kids to be plugged in. We want them to understand what we're saying. But in order for us to get that across, we need to be using a different approach. So I mentioned the checklist. The other thing we can be doing is telling our children what we want them to do more so than what we don't want them to do. So instead of stop climbing on the bed or don't climb on the bed, we can say, hey, the bed is for sitting or the bed is for sleeping. Are you needing to move your body? Do you want to play? Like sometimes we need to read the situation and see what our children are doing that's not appropriate and redirect it to something that is appropriate. Another example is when your child is throwing things, instead of saying, stop throwing that, you can say things like, hey, it looks to me like you really want to throw things. Why don't we throw these soft balls into this basket? How many can you make? Or let's throw these dirty socks into the laundry basket and just redirecting their need for throwing things to a positive outlet. And then once they're doing the other thing that you redirected them to, you can go back and revisit and say, hey, bud, it's not safe to throw toys because that can hurt someone. But what is safe is fill in the blank, right? So redirection is a very powerful tool instead of always correcting, directing, and reminding. Okay, so let's jump into mistake number two. That is expecting too much from your children. Now, this is something that I see a lot, even in my own home. Um, I am so guilty of this too, and so that's why I'm sharing it with you, because I feel like we can get so kind of wrapped up in what's happening in our home, and we can't understand that what we are asking our children to do or what we are expecting them to do is really above and beyond what they're capable of. So now, of course, there's a fine line between being lazy and just not being ready yet. But I want you to be thinking about the expectations that you have from your children and then be reasonable with that. And that might take some trial and error to figure that out. But if you are noticing that your child is having the same problem over and over again, It's not their problem anymore, it's yours. Because it's 
it's coming down to, are you training them? Do they have the expectations in place? Maybe they just need your presence close by, especially for younger kids, to send them up into their room and ask them to get dressed and make their bed. I mean, that would be great if they did that on their own, but often they need our presence. They need to know that we mean business when we ask them to do something. So sometimes it's just as simple as walking in their room and saying, hey, how are you doing with your checklist? What step are you on? Is there anything I can do to help you? Questions like that, and then they'll be like, oh yeah, I totally got distracted. I was playing and I forgot that we were going to do this thing. So that's expecting too much from your children, which leads me into mistake number three, which is expecting your kids to know better. And this is one that is also equally hard because it feels like we are constantly saying the same things over and over again. And we just want to be like, oh, how many times do I have to tell you? And my husband has this dialogue a lot. And I just tell him as many times as it takes. And I'm there too. I'm just as guilty. But it is as many times as it takes. And it's important to remember that a child's brain is not fully developed until they're 25 years old. And when my child is having an issue or they're defiant or they're melting down, Anytime that we get into that moment of weakness and that moment of hardship, I remember that. Their brain is not fully developed until they're 25. And so that helps me just kind of zone in, focus on the lesson that I'm trying to teach and get past that, that feeling of, oh, they should know already. I've taught them this a million times. I want you to also remember that kids are born selfish, Every human is born as a selfish human being. That is just our nature. But they need to continually be taught how to act and how to react. And so it's important that we just keep showing up and we keep doing the work. And eventually, our kids are going to grow up into those emotionally intelligent children. But it takes patience. It takes repetition I mean, think about how many times you have to hear information before you absorb it. It's a lot. And then think about how much more kids need to hear it before they absorb it. So I also want you to keep this in mind as well, is that we as adults always have a different agenda than our children. They do not think like we think. Like as I mentioned, they are more selfishly focused. So you also have to put yourself in your child's shoes when you are expecting something of them and when you are wanting them to learn a lesson, it might be the way that you're delivering the message. And so the way that you speak to your children is so important, always keeping in mind their thought process and their desires and understanding that it takes two people actively engaging in conversation to form a good relationship. And so if we are constantly being the one that is always barking orders and always correcting, directing, and reminding and demanding, then it's no wonder that our children don't want to comply. It's no wonder that they're defiant because they're sick and tired of being bossed around. So think about that the next time that you want to say, how many times do I have to tell you, right? Okay, so let's chat about mistake number four, which is saying no too quickly. I 
am so guilty of this. I mean, I'm guilty of all of these, which is why I'm sharing it with you because there are things that I am aware of and that I'm actively working on. And it depends on, you know, my, my day, my morning, how my, how my day started, right? So like, am I taking care of myself? Am I doing the things that fill my cup before I start the morning with my children? So being too quick to say no. And what I mean by this is your kids come to you with kind of an outrageous idea. Maybe it's messy, maybe it's inconvenient, whatever it is, we just tend to be so quick to say no, instead of really listening to what it is that our children are really asking or really after. So here are some examples of alternatives that you can say that still get the point of no across, but also shows to your children that you care about what they're asking. So number one, you could say something like, let me think about that. Or now is not the best time, but let's plan on that for, and then actually give them a time that they can look forward to doing that. Another alternative would be, please ask me again tomorrow. Or that doesn't work for me, but let's come up with a compromise. They're all ways that are still saying no, but they just are a little bit of a softer blow. (laughs) It's letting your kids know that they have something to look forward to in the future. And it just lets them know that you actually care about what they're asking. And you're not just immediately like, uh, no, that doesn't work. Or no, let's, let's not do that. Because that's just a total hit to their self-esteem. And we want to make sure that our kids are aware that they have good ideas, but sometimes it's just not the right time. Now, mistake number five is being too quick to speak. And what I mean by that is so often we say things without thinking about them first. We just word vomit whatever's in our mind right away without even pausing five to 10 seconds when a thought comes into our head before we say something. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples. So the other morning, my son was supposed to be doing his morning checklist, and I had already asked him, you know, hey, how are you doing with your checklist? And he was just taking forever. And I was getting super impatient, and it had been a few minutes, and he was upstairs. So I was going to, like, yell across the house and just be like, hey, are you done yet? Come on. Like I was so impatient. And I paused and I counted to five and he walked around the corner and was like heading down the stairs. So I just want you to think about how many times have you done that where you you speak and then all of a sudden you see your kid doing exactly what you just told them to do. And like if we would have just paused and waited just five seconds, it works with my husband also. Like sometimes I just want to make a snarky comment and I'll count to five and then he'll either say something that addresses what I was just going to be annoyed about or he'll actually do the thing that I was going to tell him to do. So I just want you to think about being slow to speak and listen And just wait, because sometimes our kids can figure it out. Sometimes our kids are going to show up and they're going to surprise us. So just don't be so quick to jump into correcting, directing, and reminding. Let's move on to mistake number six, which is projecting your stress. Now, this is one that I feel like is so common for so many parents, Because we're not taking the time to actually manage and deal with our own stress. 
I have a whole episode dedicated to this exact topic. It's episode number 21 titled Save Your Sanity and Avoid Overwhelm. And in that episode, I share with you a four-step process to really start to navigate and understand what you can do to help manage some of that stress. I also think it is so important that we set in place and then actually implement and follow through on work-life boundaries. That, again, is a topic that is so important when it comes to managing anxiety and overwhelm. And I have another episode dedicated just to that, all about work-life boundaries, and that is episode number three. So I will put a link to both of those episodes in the show notes so that you can listen to those and really start to get over that hurdle of projecting your stress onto your children. Now, it's so important that when we are dealing with our children, when they are, you know, misbehaving or not acting exactly the way that we would want them to, that we take our own emotion out of it. Now, this is something that I've been working on for years, so it's not going to be an overnight change for you. It's going to be something that you just continually practice, but taking a step back and understanding, again, from their perspective, what is going on, you know, why they might be melting down, what are some of the things that you can do to help? I actually have several lessons in my new course, The Efficient Mompreneur, all about handling meltdowns and tantrums, setting your kids up for success, what it looks like to walk through my freeze method, which is how to handle in-the-moment meltdowns, but then also how to prevent meltdowns. And there's just a ton of really great resources inside of my course. And that is just a very small portion of the course. There are three separate modules. The first one is all about mindset and prioritizing self-care and really getting a handle on who you are and how that kind of affects every area of your life, making sure that you're taken care of before you take care of everyone else. Then moving into module two, which is the juggling act and talking about those work-life boundaries and how do you handle working at home with kids. Um, Again, there's that whole section about handling the meltdowns and how to set your kids up for success. And then moving into the third and final module, all about finding clarity in your business. So when you actually get that focused work time, what are you supposed to be working on? So if you want to check out more details for that, you can visit thepurposegathering.com slash efficient mom. And there's so much goodness inside that course. So I would love to see you in there. Another common mistake that I see parents make all the time is arguing with their children. Now, this is something that we're all guilty of. So again, at the beginning of the episode, I said that there might be some throat punches in here. And I'm doing it with all of the love. I wish I could give you a virtual hug right now because I am the type of person who will tell it to you straight. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, and but I also want you to know that I'm saying this lovingly. But there is nothing worse than trying to get your point across by arguing with someone. And I know it's hard when they're your own children and they push every button and you're running on empty and you're frustrated and you're angry and you just want to argue with them. But I want to save you the overwhelm and the frustration. You're not letting your child win by not arguing with them. You're teaching them and you're modeling to them what it looks like to have a healthy conversation with someone. So 
what I like to do when my kids start to argue with me is I say what I want to say, and then I stop talking. And my kids will try to battle me and they'll try to like push my buttons. And I will just say, you know, asked and answered. Or I will say to them, I love you too much to argue with you. So I'm going to say nothing because probably the words that I want to say are not going to be nice. And let's just both take a minute to calm down and then we can talk about this later. Or I will totally redirect and ask them if I can, you know, do you want to play chase? Do you want to play hug chase? Do you want to kick this cardboard box to get out some energy um, and some frustration? Whatever it is, it might even be just like a, hey, let's go wrestle on the bed. You guys hear me talk about this a lot. And there is a real, there's power in stopping the arguing. There is power in teaching your children that it's okay to walk away from a fight, that it's okay not to engage, that that there are other ways that we can handle our anger and our frustration. And so by getting your kids laughing and by redirecting their attention to something else could be all they needed for them to find clarity, for them to really understand that, you know what, you're right, I probably was overreacting or I probably shouldn't have been so upset about XYZ. So I want you to remember that the next time that you're about to engage with your child in an argument, just stop and be the bigger person. You are the adult. You are who they look to when they are trying to figure out how to handle conflict and how to engage in a conversation that actually leads to resolution. It's also teaching your child how to interact with their siblings So you'll probably notice this, that the way that you argue and the way that you talk to your children is how they argue and talk with their sibling. And so if we are going to be the adult and we are going to model good conflict resolution skills, it starts with not engaging in the argument, getting them laughing or redirecting them to something else, and then circling back when everyone is calm and actually coming up with a resolution or actually teaching them a lesson. But your children are not listening when they're fired up and angry, so there's no need to engage with them until they are calm and peaceful. Moving on to mistake number eight, having a victim mentality. Now, Let me explain what I mean by this, because I feel like as moms, we tend to make excuses or we tend to make blanket statements. We tend to tell ourselves negative stories that try to make us feel better, I guess, which end up making us feel worse. So I want you to get out of this victim mentality. I want you to start telling yourself like positive stories. So let me give you some examples. So For me, one of the things that I find hard is working at home with kids. Now, I know that you guys can all attest to this because we have all been forced to do this, whether we wanted to or not. Um, Or if your kids are young, you're again forced to be with them at all times. And so it just makes it really difficult. So I began telling myself this story about how I just can't work when my kids are around. Like, I just can't ever be focused. They're constantly interrupting me. They're constantly needing my attention. So I guess my business is just going to suffer because my kids are around. And I also used to believe the lie that, you know, my business wasn't growing because of my kids. And I was playing this victim mentality. And I was playing that martyr. 
it was all my kids' fault, <laughs> you know? Like, if if my kids were older or when they were in school, like, things would be different. And let me tell you what, they ended up going to school. Um, they didn't make it for a whole year, so my son didn't finish kindergarten due to the pandemic. Um, so I only got almost a full year of having both my kids in school. Totally feel gypped. I'm not bitter at all. Don't worry. Um, but... I played that menta- that victim mentality for so long, and it got me nowhere. Now, I know a lot of you can relate. It might be something different. Like, maybe your kid wakes up early all the time, and now you feel like your work block that you had planned in the morning is never going to happen again. We get so wrapped up into what's happening in our lives, and we feel like it's the end of the world. And we want to blame other people, and we want to blame our circumstances, but Really, what we need to be doing is we need to be flipping the script. We need to be having a positive mindset because your mind will always look for evidence of what your thoughts are. So if our thoughts are victimizing and our thoughts are negative and our thoughts are, you know, poor me, then that's all we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking for all of these poor me things that happen in our life. And then we're like, yeah, see, there it is. It happened again. Poor me. So I want you and I to get out of this victim mentality. And how we do that is be focusing on the positive things. Be focusing on what we want, manifesting the fact that, yes, my kid is waking up early, but what work-life boundary do I need to put in place? What can I do to train them? What can I do to teach them? How can I let them know that you know their body is awake, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm available to play with them? You know, that woe is me. Oh my gosh, I can't get any focus work done because I have kids at home. Well, guess what? (laughs) If I want something bad enough, I will make it happen. So now I have been forced to be that mom who works when their kids are home because I have to. It's either I give up on my dreams and I stop chasing them because of this excuse, or I just kick that excuse in the butt and I say, no way, I'm still doing it. So which one are you going to choose? Are you going to still play that victim mentality? Are you going to be that person that's just stagnant? Or are you just going to find a better way? I hope that you choose the latter. Find a better way. Do whatever you have to do to overcome that. But don't be the victim. Don't do it. All right. So I know I'm getting a bit preachy, but I was really passionate about that one. Don't be the victim. Okay, let's move on to mistake number nine. And that is letting our kids dictate our family values and boundaries. So this is a little bit similar to the last one, but I want to kind of go a little bit deeper into this one. So let me give you some examples of what I mean by this. So maybe you have some picky eaters in your house. (laughs) Maybe your kids don't like certain foods. So because of that, you've decided that, oh, well, I'm just not going to make that for dinner anymore. Or, oh, well, my kids don't eat healthy, nutritious foods, so... I guess I'm just going to feed them chicken nuggets and hot dogs all the time. Or what about this? Oh, my kids just don't play by themselves. That's just who they are, right? So I guess back to that victim mentality, I guess that's just going to be my life. You know, my kids are never going to play by themselves. But that's dictating a family boundary. You're the one that's in charge of setting the boundaries. You set the tone in your home, not your children. Well, what about this one? I hear this from older parents with older children a lot. Well, my kids just don't want to hang out with me. They're just, you know, they're kind of over that. 
And when I talk about special time and spending 10 minutes of one-on-one attention with each of your kids, they come to me and they're like, well, they don't want to. And I'm like, well, you're the parent. Doesn't matter if they want to. Of course, they're not going to admit that they want to hang out with you at that age. You just make it a thing. You just put it in the, in the schedule and say, hey, it's time for us to have our hangout time. They don't have to like it, but I'm sure that they will learn to love it. So these are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Don't let your kids dictate your family values or your family boundaries just because they don't like it. What about they don't want to do school? This is like a big one because now we've all been forced to homeschool our kids. And a lot of us are coming up on the new school year. At the time of recording this, it's July. So we're all kind of like on the cusp of is school going to start? Is it not going to start? Are we going to homeschool? And, you know, this is something I struggled with was my kids just didn't want to do school at home. And part of me like didn't want to fight them on that. But again, it's like, there's a there's a line between my kids don't want to do it and sorry, but this is the family rule. So I really want you to just be thinking about that. Like just because your kids are not performing the way you want them to be doesn't mean that's who they are forever. Just because something is not going right in this moment doesn't mean that it's always going to be going wrong. So I want you to just be thinking about that. Always be looking for the positive, but also know that your kids do not dictate your family values and boundaries. Now let's chat about the last and final mistake that I see parents making, and that is taking sides. And that's if you have more than one child. So anyone that has two or more kids, I'm talking to you about this one. I feel like it's so natural for us when our children are fighting to want to know who started it. They want, we want to know what's going on and we want to solve it. And we want to be able to say, you know, it was your fault. You started it, pointing fingers, um, maybe punishing or loss of privilege or whatever it is. And we want to just take a side. Well, what that does is it creates animosity between your children and it's only going to perpetuate sibling rivalry. So I want you to avoid taking sides. Now, that doesn't mean that you cannot address both sides, but you don't favor a side. So you hear out everybody's perspective, you get everybody's side of the story, and then you work on a solution. Who started it doesn't matter. What matters is how you are going to teach your children to have peaceful resolution. How are you going to teach them complex skills that are going to not be so selfish? Like, I feel like when kids fight, it's all about them and they don't ever see the other person's perspective. So it's important that when you're dealing with conflict, that you are helping your children see all sides of the situation and put each other in their, in their siblings' shoes. Now, I have an episode that I would love for you to listen to. It is episode number 20, How to Battle Boredom and Get Along. And this is teaching your kids how to battle boredom, um, giving them the power to know what to do. And also just some really simple, easy ways for you to teach your children how to get along. So I know that I've given you a ton of information right now. So I want to recap the 10 mistakes. Mistake number one, too much correcting, directing, and reminding. Number two, expecting too much from your children. Number three, expecting your kids to know better. Number four, saying no too quickly. Number five, being quick to speak. 
Number six, projecting your stress. Number seven, arguing with your child. Number eight, having a victim mentality. Number nine, letting our kids dictate our family values and boundaries. And finally, number 10, taking sides. So I hope that you have found this episode to be really helpful. I do not want you to leave feeling horrible or feeling bad. I want you to know that we all have experienced this. This is literally years and years of listening to moms talk to me about their children and just my own experience. These are things that all parents do. It comes so much more naturally for us to do these things, but I really want you to have a life filled with abundance. I want you to have a life where you are feeling joyful and peaceful. And these common mistakes, if you start to work on them and you start to change and shift your perspective, you are going to be able to live a more peaceful, joy-filled life. And that's exactly what I want for you. So I hope that you take this information and start to apply it to your own life. And if you loved today's episode, please take a screenshot of it. Let me know that you're listening. Let me know that you enjoyed it and share it with other mamas out there who might be able to benefit from this episode. As always, mama, I am here rooting for you and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You were created to thrive with purpose and not just survive. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our amazing online community and connect with like-minded mompreneurs, head to thepurposegathering.com slash mamas. That's M-A-M-A-S to join our private Facebook group. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Be sure to follow and tag me at The Purpose Gathering. If you haven't had a chance to leave a review, please head to iTunes, even if you're an Android user, and let other mompreneurs know why you love the show. Each review is so valuable to me and helps more mamas like you find this show. I choose one review every episode to share, and yours could be the next one. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this, girl, and I can't wait until next time.